Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. This is the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast 2.0. I'm liking it. This is the this is a legit podcast. We are official now. We're on the interwebs. We we are, and not just in some corner. We are hitting the bit time. We were we're on iTunes now, thanks to the efforts of Mr. Two Frames over there. At one point we were the twenty eighth ranked uh, film podcast in the nation. Or in the world really, because it's the inner it's the world wide web. It's not the US wide web. I like it. Yeah, and then like within fifteen minutes we were the one hundred and seventy eighth ranked well, <laughs> podcast. It, it, it's so weird. Oh, it's really weird. Yeah. Uh, depending on how you search for us, the best way to search for us on iTunes is typing in laugh. L A F. L A F. And then we're the number two podcast. Right. Only the the other ones are a bunch of godless heathens. Which is weird. They have one episode that has spiked in the last week or so. Hmm. A lot of interesting To take in the number one spot. Because for a while we had the top five. Um, if you search for us as The Laugh Podcast, we don't show up. No, no. So don't do that. Just type in LAF on iTunes. Do a search. Scroll down to the podcast section. And then you can subscri- subscribe to The Laugh Podcast. Yeah. It would be really enjoyable. You can also... Uh, See us at uh, www.thelaughpodcast.com, which was uh, our official website. Mr. Two Frames over there put that together. Yeah. Has links to all of our material, all of our podcasts. Um, We're also going to link to other websites and have ancillary materials. A lot of material out there for us. Like what? What would... What's an example of something the listeners can go to, can uh, find out about? You can see our link that goes to letterboxd.com, which has our list of top movies. You'll have the L Train. I'm your host, by the way, the L Train. Over there is the co-host, Mr. Two Frames Bull. We're Pleasure we're host. I guess I can't say I'm the host. There's more than one. The Registar is not with us today, um, but he will return, I'm sure, in a future time. Pretty, uh, pretty sure he'll be on the Oscar episode. My top ten list is up there. The Registar, the Registar's top ten list is up there, and then Mister Two Frames had to put his top twenty-five out there, I keeping also, with his his uh, one-upmanship. There. I put a top ten out there, hence too. the name Two Frames. But, but the nice thing with Letterboxd is you can go on there. It's got uh, trailers for all the movies that we picked. It tells you how to go find these movies if they're still in theaters. Uh, if you can download them off iTunes or Amazon. Lots of Prime. links. Yeah, lots of links. Uh, all the More links than right Nathan's there. hot dogs. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So Where uh, else can they go to find out more about us? Uh, they can follow us on Twitter. Ooh, if you follow us on Twitter, you will see the latest picture of uh, of my dog, Rue. Ooh. Of the L-Train's dog, Rue. You'll also get a tweet anytime we post a new episode. Yeah, we haven't had many tweets out there, but there'll be a couple of tweets coming out because we're going to do today's podcast, and then we're going to follow that up with another podcast on American Sniper. Yeah, so uh, we're looking at putting out new content every week. Uh, Normally about on Friday, you'll be able to get the new episode. But what if we don't have iTunes? What if you don't have iTunes? There are a lot of people I know that don't have iTunes, but they still want to listen to the I was contacted by a company called Stitcher. Ooh. And they saw our dozens of listeners, <laughs> wow. and they have uh, wow, joined us in a partnership. Uh, Twitter is radio on demand. 
It's Twitter is? Or, I'm sorry, Stitcher is Radio oh, On Demand. Yeah, okay. This is going to be a great bumper. <laughs> it's an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover new shows from its library of over 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports podcasts. Uh, you can create custom playlists, and the best part is it's available on any iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, or in over 4 million car dashes already. So it's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted wow. memory. If you don't have Stitcher, download it free today at stitcher.com or at thelaughpodcast.com. Nice. Well read. W- wait a minute. Did you did I hear that we we're on Kardashians? Kardashians. Oh, I was about to say. I was wondering if the Kardashians are listening to us. That would be good too. Oh man, if they send out a tweet to listen to the Laugh Podcast. Hmm. You hit the big time. If I were a Kardashian, I'd be listening to us. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we got some other stuff. We're going to be on Facebook. I think we have uh, we have to we have to work on that. There's actually some mm-hmm. information that's uh, come out about Facebook. You'll be able to like us soon on Facebook. Mm-hmm. If you like us, you'll be able to like us. But we, we've appreciated all the feedback and right. We want you to get on there and get onto the Stitcher. If you don't have iTunes, if you have the iTunes, you can get on there. <laughs> And you could uh, give like us a granny. You can give us a positive uh, review or uh, any sort of feedback would be welcome. I think, and um, you can contact us in a variety of ways, and we'll try to sort of gear the show around your requests or questions or interests, mm-hmm. and make this a little bit more interactive than it has been in the past. But uh, in light of that, um, one of our listeners suggested that we sort of put together a, uh, I don't know, a, a mission statement, sort of explain what the podcast is all about. And I guess explain why we do this. Why sort we of do thing. what we do. Because we're not making any cash out of it. No, and uh, I guess we started off doing this because we taught a class on literature and film. I got a whole and lot. now we're out of work, literature and film teachers. But I, I pulled my class today. Uh-huh. And my current class of 10th graders, rising 11th graders, and that I have about 12 students that are interested. 12 Ooh. out of 28 so that want to take it next year. So literature and film could be coming back. Yeah, we're making a comeback, baby. I like it. So in, in light of that, we're going to sort of uh, present what we would eh, probably... It follows along in a lot of ways with how we would go about teaching that class, the mm-hmm. literature and film class, making that combination. I'm all for changing the name, though, to literature as film. We could do that. Because we don't do a whole lot of literature at the literature and film <laughs> class. We're more film interested. Although in the past we've done some interesting things, and we're going to talk more this year, I think, about some of the literature that you've mentioned. Yeah, I, I think we want to do one on Of Mice and Men. Mm-hmm. Steinbeck, that's coming up. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, possibly. Um, uh, we've read some, I've read a few interesting books. I'm listening to a book right now about uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket Diary. Ooh. Uh, read and written by Matthew Modine. It's got a lot of interesting stuff. Oh, he also reads it. Yeah, he reads it with special effects, sound effects. and. Oh, I, I love when... Things. People read their own book. This, this book's a little distracting. Oh, it is. Yeah, there's there's little it's little vignettes. They're sort of tied together, and it's it, the way they present it is like a diary. So it's it's not a narrative necessarily. 
But it's interesting. I don't know I think if that's you, a bad I think you'll thing. enjoy it. Um, I, I really liked Steve Martin's book because it sounded like an interview, except no one was asking him questions. But he provided all the answers. Which book is it? Not Shop Girl. No, no, no his autobiography. Oh, the autobiography of yeah, Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Who and wrote he, that? Yeah. Nice. But but he reads it, and it, it's really nice, and it's hard to find interviews with him that are any sort of long form. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I like me Or at least it one. was seven, eight years ago when I listened to the book. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard much from him in a long time. No. no wow. Not. I wonder what happened to old Steve Martin. I used to love that guy. King Tut. This is, he was really important in my youth. Really? Yeah. But I have... I. I audio taped off of the TV uh, program, a <laughs> uh, uh, TV special that he did. I, I listened to it for a long time. I bet the arrow through the head gag works well as audio. <laughs> yeah, that, and the King Tut dance. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where we started, kind of where we're headed. And uh, I think one of the things that we like to do is talk about movies mm-hmm. and what we like about movies. And we offer some form of reviews of movies, current movies. And movie, famous movies from the past. We like to call them film. Uh, or else this podcast would be called Lamb, which is not a very nice name, I guess, for a podcast. I don't know. Yeah. Lamb. It's too close to lame. <laughs> so uh, I thought, or we kind of thought that we might examine uh, how we judge a film. Well, this is sort of a nebulous concept and We've been trying to figure out how to best present it. So I think we have two differing approaches to this uh, this subject, subject yeah, yeah. or topic. Because what I've done is I've looked at uh, how, I, how I judge films and, and what I appreciate about films. I think, what, what did you, how did you, how did you come up with your uh, criteria? Um, I mean, I start off more as uh, what gets me interested in a film that makes me want to go and watch the film. Uh, I come from a kind of awkward background because I grew up in the home video generation. Okay. Where you, you could go and rent a lot of films. So I grew How up. How was that awkward? Because most time when you listen or read about people who are film critics, who are movie makers, they spend a lot of time going to the theater. And I didn't really start doing that until I was late in my Ooh, teenage years. I see. Most of my experiences with films and with movies came on the small screen and from going to the video store and renting them. Well, the current batches of, of people, are, it's even a smaller screen, so there's cell phone. Oh, yeah. It's smaller screen, but also you can go and find stuff easily. You can find other films that someone did. I used to, if I found a movie that I liked, you know, uh, Steven Seagal, I liked when I was a kid. You had to read the back cover and after the guy's name in parentheses, it might say one other film he had done. Mm-hmm. So then you would go and look for that film in the movie uh, store and rent that. And then you kind of had to jump. There was no internet to yeah, go on to find a list. was connected to the uh, Steven Seagal movies? I think I started with Hard to Kill, and then it was Out for Justice, and then I just started scanning for any three-word title. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how my dad picks books that he wants to read, whether or not it has a swastika or a, yeah. a sickle and hammer or an American flag <laughs> on it. Not necessarily. But, I mean, like you spent a lot of time looking at the covers of these movies. Hmm. And if something had a cool cover, you would go and rent the movie. 
uh, Army of Darkness is one of those. Um, the Bruce Campbell film mm-hmm. where he's standing on all these skulls and he's in a heroic pose. He's got his chainsaw. And, and the movie has movies. nothing like that. Huh. That's the one with Ikna Farutu? Mm-hmm. Or is that the... What's the expression? Well, I think that's the name of the book, right? That they uh, have yeah, to read the song. There's some thing. That, that, that expression yeah. shows up. But I mean, growing up watching these things on... Now that all the things are going to be obsessed or upset with us that I don't know I don't know that passage Ikna I don't know I wouldn't even try and butcher uh, how sad so I, I mean that's know. my experience and then you know you go to college and you've liked films and you actually start watching stuff that's considered good or high art and now I'm some sort of a mismatch between that like you'll often call me the fanboy <laughs> When I like films of uh, lower quality, but I enjoy you know, award-winning films too. Okay, uh, a lot of times for the same reasons. And I guess we'll get into that. What was your experience with films, or pretty much how you approach uh, those? Started off in the theater, being impressed with stuff, but then I, I was part of that video generation. Also, did you go to the movies a lot as a kid? I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a way to get out of the heat. <laughs> I mean, back when I was a kid, so the only place that was air conditioned. <laughs> How often? No, would you I mean, I lived on base. For um, my dad was in the Air Force, and uh, I think movies were twenty five cents, and uh, like popcorn was like twenty five cents or fifty cents or something like that. And I could go watch a couple of movies on a Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, but it was always something like Pippi Longstockings and. Uh, I don't know, the flipper movies and stuff like that. Which is where you get your appreciation for those films from. Yes, this is why I have my massive collection. That's why I'm dressed like Pippi Longstockings right now. Yeah. I like the braids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I guess in 1977, it's the first time I remember seeing a movie and it was Star Wars. Mm. And I was knocked out by how that made me feel like seeing it on a big screen. That's the first movie I really remember seeing. On the big. Well, not the first movie I'd seen other stuff like cartoons and stuff like that. I saw nine to five with Dabney Coleman and <laughs> who is it? Dolly, Dar- Parton. Dolly Parton. Yeah. yeah. Lily Tomlin. And that might've been before, uh, that might've been before star Wars. I don't know, but either way, that guy you're interested in. Films. Yeah. Nine to five. Yeah. Nine to five. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I always liked right. films. I watched a lot, but it was also, that was the only entertainment on you could have on the weekends, because my parents weren't going to drive me around and entertain me. Right. So, you know, you go rent a movie from the uh, movie store, and you have that to watch well, then, over the weekend. And then, really, I, I guess it was when I started driving, and I was really lucky. I started driving and was able to go to the theater right when some great films came out. The first movie I ever drove to see by myself, Gladiator. Oh, wow. And that was back when they didn't care hmm. if you were a teenager. They'd let you go in and watch R-rated movies. Oh, then, was it R-rated? Yeah. And then it was The Patriot after that. So, uh, me, myself, and Irene. So I was watching all these films that I really liked. 16-year-old uh, two frames. I was like, this is great. I love going to the movies. That was back when you were just one frame. Yeah. <laughs> they would let you in there. Would you like skip from... Were you in like a multiplex or was it a... Multiplex, yeah. Because the movie theater that... When I moved here and I moved to Virginia, there was a uh, 
drive-in movie theater that had two movies, uh, inside movie, indoor movie uh, screens attached to it. So there was no multiplex idea. There was uh, maybe five movie screens in Hampton somewhere. I think it was called the uh, New Market. Mm. And then there was Cinema City, which had the drive-in. We used to sneak in to the drive-in theater you know, in, the, in the trunks of cars. and That was pretty cool. I wish we still had drive-in movie theaters. There yeah. was one also down in Hampton, down in Buckrow Beach. This is where I went on my first date. <laughs> I took a girl to go see... Uh, Nine to five. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> the original. Classy. Yeah. But this was, I mean, I guess it had been out for a while. So anyway, that's kind of where, that, that's my history. Yeah, those film. are our early experiences. But now, what do you look for when you go, when you, what, what interests you in film now? Uh, quite a bit. I mean, I have a pretty large range of what I'll find interesting. Generally, I just want something that's going to hook my interest, something Either the story's doing something, you know, it's setting up some interesting conceit, like uh, in Calvary, a movie we've talked about in here, in the first four minutes you find out that they're going to kill a priest, and the rest of the movie centers around that. So I'm interested in seeing how the film's going to play out. Or, you know, I love the blockbuster. If it's got some awesome eye candy, there's some interesting scene that I want to see on the big screen, that's going to pull me in. Yeah, I think that you're more likely to go for the big blockbuster movies or the... I don't really like uh, superhero movies much at all. Mm-hmm. I've been burned by the superhero movie. You seem to like more of the acting performances. I do. I'm, I'm, that's that's one of the main things for me. It's strong, consistent acting performances that are integrated and, and connected to the themes and ideas. Like uh, current movies like Whiplash with the J.K. Simmons and Miles mm-hmm. Teller and that, the interconnectedness there. And then uh, Joe which was Nicolas Cage's best acting performance, I think, in his career. Ooh. Yeah. Leaving Las Vegas was pretty good, but still, it's a strong acting performance. Yeah. Uh, and then I think about movies like The Master with Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So going back, I'm, I'm really going to miss that Philip Seymour Hoffman guy. He I think he was good. just getting started. That's sad. So, yeah, I, I like uh, movies that have strong performances by the actors in them. How do you figure out if it's going to be a strong performance without having seen the film? Well, that's that's the difference in how I kind of generated this list. What I did was I went and looked at the last mm, ten years of movies. Like, I have a top ten list of the last, uh, from 2003 to 2013, mm-hmm. and I I haven't really done. I haven't figured out how this year's list works into that uh, list overall. But I looked sort of at the top of the, of that list, the top ten movies the last ten or twelve years, and then I looked for the commonalities. And then usually those are the movies that I enjoy or appreciate. So I have to be relatively certain that they're going to hit on these notes in order for me to to take the time to go see him now. So if it doesn't have, if I don't think it's going to have strong acting or some of these other things. Now there are, there are some actors that you'll just go and see them. And well, Philip Seymour Hoffman would have been that. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, for me, I'd also throw in Tom Hardy, the guy who played yeah. Bane in uh, the last Batman movie. Yeah. I've not been disappointed by a Tom Hardy movie. Yeah. So, so me, 
I didn't see that spy versus spy thing where it's a this love means interest. war with Reese Witherspoon and Chris okay. Pine. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. Was any good? I haven't seen that. I'll ask my wife. I know oh, she's okay. watched it, but I mean, pretty much he always delivers a strong performance. Yep. Um, trying to think who else. Maybe J.K. Simmons now for you. Mm, he's probably up there on the list. Philip Seymour Hoffman would have been, except he's dead now, so can't really go with that. Uh, actually, like Brad Pitt. Ooh, yeah. you go you go see the Brad. I do. I like. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like him much as an actor, but I, I kind of. I don't know so, something about his approach, like killing him softly. I thought that was a pretty good movie. You've probably seen the last couple, yeah, Brad Fury. Pitt films in theaters. Yeah. That was something I thought of a lot of people. I like to go and watch their movies, but then I looked up their last couple films, and I don't always go to the theaters. Some of them I almost just wait for them to come out. I'd rather watch them at home. Example? Uh, an example, Brad Pitt, for one. Really? Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, I, I like him a lot as an actor. I like his films generally, but he doesn't move me to go to the theater to go watch his stuff. I'm actually surprised by some of the actors that I've consistently gone to the theaters to go watch him. Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think he's that great of an actor. Yeah, I like Leo. But I find myself I going me. quite often to watch his films. If nothing else, just because they're interesting premise. I like, uh, well... Or they have an interesting premise. Yeah. Most of what Brad Pitt does, in his, well, I think he makes smart choices for what he chooses to associate with. Mm-hmm. Not just his acting, but like, um, he's been involved with most of the top movies that I've seen in the last 10 years, except for, like, the Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. movies. But pretty much, I mean, he he wasn't in The Departed, but it was his production company that put it together. They bought the rights for, mm-hmm. for the original, um, what is it, Japanese movie? Yeah. Uh, um, Internal Affairs. And then he was also in Inglorious Bastards, Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, so he's he's got that. I mean, I, I like Tarantino movies too. That's another guy. So the director sometimes pulls me in yeah. more than the actor. I think. It, to me, I think it's director too. And but you look at some of the directors we like. Tarantino, you just said for Brad Pitt. Also, he worked with the Coen Brothers. Right, and, and pretty much anything the Coen Brothers associate with, I'm going to go see. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think sometimes it's better to follow directors because you discover at other actors that you would have never found otherwise uh, oscar isaac yeah no. to me is one now that i really want to go and watch his films because now that i know who he is and i know some of the films he's been i'm like yeah that guy's consistently turned in great performances and the directors i like are all using him right so you'll be going to see a most dangerous or a year or most, most dangerous violent, year, most yeah. violent year. most violent year i may even have to watch star wars for him <laughs> Look, your your obsession with avoiding Star Wars is is getting to be more than just a little. bit How's of it thing. avoidance if I just admitted that I might be willing to because watch? Because you should be willing to go see it because it's going to be awesome. Based on the track record of the last four films, no, George Lucas is not involved anymore. He doesn't even know where the story's headed. Um, Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Is working on the eighth movie in the series. Yeah, yeah. and you know Ryan Johnson's good. All right, maybe I'll go watch the eighth film. Why yeah, should I go see the seventh it. film? I, you're whatever. You're gonna go see <laughs> it. 
You're pathetic, man. I don't know why you're acting like you're not going to go see it. I mean, you might not see it in theaters, but you you will see it on. You will probably see it in your uh, home theater. Possibly. I still haven't watched all the Hobbit films. That, neither have I. It's because they they're horrible. <laughs> yeah, but they're blockbusters. That's not my point. It, it's going to be good. Star Wars is going to be good. We will see. It's going to be better than Interstellar. You saw Interstellar. Yeah, but you know, and that was one I saw for the director. Yeah. And, and that was one that I just went out there and saw just because Nolan, and I read very, very little about it going in. That's the other thing. Nolan movie, if, it's a, if he's another director that I'll go see anything. And and I was disappointed with Interstellar, but I still think it's it would still probably be in the top 50 movies of the last 10 years that I've seen. Maybe. I don't know. I was looking at my list. Hesher is on there. Hesher's a good film. Yeah, David Michaud. He's another pretty interesting director. Uh, I think I would follow his stuff. Like, he did my top film of this year, mm-hmm. The Rover. So, those are some of the other things I like in movies are the kinds of questions that they ask. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, for me, the Odysseys, or like the study of evil, like the source of evil... And moral ambiguity, the seeds of evil, where do they lie? Man's propensity for it and the outcomes and motivations of of behaviors and actions. Those are like, I don't know, like you were mentioning, the big question movies. Yeah. Uh, and that probably leads you to watch smaller budget films as a result. Because sometimes. generally the bigger the budget, the more chance the hero has of surviving and saving the day. But the movie... The smaller the budget, I guess, the more chances you can take with the film because there's more of a chance that the director has been given free reign. Yeah, but probably my one of my it's in my top three movies of the past ten years. So probably of all time is Dark Knight, and that's a big budget movie that made a lot of money that deals with those kinds of questions. Yeah. So that whole idea of duality, I think. But, I mean, a second ago, you mentioned The Rover yeah. and Hesher. Yeah, movies Those are smaller seen. films. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason I keep saying The Rover and Hesher is so that our audience can remember that these are good films to go watch. Yeah, I think so. I think that people might enjoy those movies. But they're also on, uh, well, The Rover's on the L-Train's list. Yeah, and if you go Hesher's to an older film starring Joseph Gordon-Lovett and Natalie Portman. It's a comedy. Mm-hmm. So, both good picks, good films. Um, I also like the in the combination of cinematography and story. Like they have to be connected. Like I just don't like the the big picture eye candy stuff that some people on the podcast might oh, enjoy. I love. It. I mean, to me, that's one of the biggest thrills in the Dark Knight when that tractor trailer uh, flips end over end. Yeah, but. I, that's not for me. That part is not disconnected from the bigger story. Mm-hmm. It has some meaning or some significance. Well, I didn't feel like they were just doing it to do it. I mean, there was a reason, and it works well. And the special effects are in service to the story. That's that's what separates mm, the movies that I really appreciate versus like the schlock movies. That's why I don't really like movies that. Uh, Appeal to the masses necessarily. Not necessarily. The Transformers. Yeah. Or. And maybe on another podcast we can talk about our guilty pleasures. 
because you have one of the big blockbusters of the last couple of years that is a true guilty pleasure for you. But that... Yeah, I don't feel guilty about that. And it breaks pretty much every rule. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've, I've defended this movie. You're talking about Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah. I think part of the attachment to that movie also is the director. Because he has a singular vision and a, and a way to present it, and it's all interconnected. Like, uh, another one of my movies that has these similarities is on uh, is the Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, okay. Which deals with the combination of cinematography and story and special effects and ambiguity and evil and and all those kinds of things. And it, and they're also deeply original. Like even even a movie like uh, The Departed, which is based on something else. Mm-hmm. That something else was original. You know. It so was, you don't like to go watch adaptations. I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't find any. Well, no, ones not, that you that's enjoyed? not true. Because yeah, I like No Country for Old Men. Okay, I think it's the story is original. Even if like, uh, I guess all stories are original in a way. But I guess it's the way that they deal with it that separates it. So it's it's a singularity more than its originality. It's a singularity of story. I don't the presentation to, to me the story aspect. it has to be something that I can buy into. And there are just some movies I'm willing to suspend my disbelief on. Because, I mean, really, films are nothing but a bunch of lies. Nothing in a film is real. And this is a point I often have to make with my students when they find out I like pro wrestling. They say, well, pro wrestling's fake. And I go, yeah, but so is The Fast and the Furious or any film you go and see. It's a story that's being told. And for whatever reason, there are certain aesthetics to pro wrestling that I like the way those stories are told. Or when they're told, well, there's just a lot of bad pro wrestling. There are a lot of bad movies. But if I can buy into the film and buy into the premise, I can really enjoy it. And I think that's weird Like when I think about horror films. I love slasher films. Right. If you've got teenagers running through the woods at night while it's raining, being chased by a guy in a hockey mask wielding a machete, I'm in. <laughs> uh, you know, Friday the 13th, I love that. But if you have werewolves or something supernatural in your horror movie, I'm not very interested. Hmm. I, I don't buy it. it. It doesn't pull me in. It's interesting that, that there's a movie, um, well, it was one of those first found, it was probably the first found footage movie that kids I'm sure are familiar with and that you've heard of, The Blair Witch Project. Ugh. Ugh. Fuck. <laughs> the Blair Witch Project. This is... This is what I have to say about that movie. I didn't, I didn't really like it much either, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I didn't take it as real or anything, or you know, there was an actual occurrence. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend who did, and he was freaked out by it. He bought into the uh, marketing, the original marketing, presented this movie as if it were found footage of uh, some some film students that went out into the woods and encountered something that resembles a yeah. witch, a Blair Witch. It has elements of the supernatural in it, supposedly. But when I was watching the film, as I viewed it, I didn't see any of those elements of the supernatural. The supernatural elements freaked out my friend. I did get freaked out by the notion that the people that were tormenting these kids, or the person that was tormenting these kids, were was probably real. Like a, a Jason Voorhees type. Yeah. Or, uh, you know... Michael Myers. Michael Myers, you know. 
the potentiality for a because there are mass murderers out there and there are some pretty twisted and sick people mm-hmm. out there. The potentiality for that kind of person to exist is what freaks me out more than the idea that there's something out there that's supernatural. And movies that deal with man's inherent evil mm-hmm. have more interest to me than any kind of uh, those supernatural movies. And I'm afraid that those slasher films fall too much over into the ridiculous, along with the other stuff. No, and I find I'm growing out of that, but I also feel they don't make as many of those films. The the 80s slasher film... Well, it's transformed into, like, what is it called? Uh, Porn, uh, gore porn or something? Torture porn stuff. I've seen a couple of those. I'm not huge on that. started with um, Saw. Saw, uh, the Hostel films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... uh, Eli Roth. Yeah, it, it's all right. It's not great. Um, I, I definitely feel like you've said the the films where the evil can be real, and you feel like there are people in society who who act this way. Uh, that's what gets me. Yeah, um, the horror movie Proxy is one of those because it deals with people who suffer from Munchausen's by proxy, oh, okay. which is just a horrible, horrible uh, disease to have where you inflict harm on yourself or on your loved ones to get medical attention. Like that woman that was wandering around in uh, uh, Walmart and poking little babies with needles? Yeah, that's sort That's just, a different Munchausen. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, it's still the same thing. Yeah. And, and uh, some of my students went and watched Proxy, and they said, it wasn't that scary. There weren't that many scary bits. And I went, the whole thing's scary because there are people like that. Yeah. You know, there's some yeah. variations on oh, what's shown in the film. So, yeah. Yeah. I, again, but I can buy into that film. Um, the, the movies that I don't buy into, but I still like, are comedies. And we haven't really talked about comedies. Comedies always have some ridiculous premise. I don't think that I enjoy comedies as much as, uh, as you might. Like, I, I'm not willing to go see a comedy in a theater as, as quickly as you. Yeah, I mean, to me, if I go see a comedy, one, I definitely want to go with a group. And I don't like seeing movies with people <laughs> because I don't like people. But see, I like hearing my friends laugh, and my friends have the same sensibility as I do. And when you hear other people laughing, it helps magnify your own enjoyment. I, I kind of like the uncomfortable laughter, though, more so than the you than this, my friends. The directed laughter. <laughs> Well, I went to see Killing Him Softly with Pete. Mm -hmm. I thought that was hilarious. And I laughed. Oh, yeah. People left. (laughs) The four other people that were there, half of them left. Did they leave because of you or because of the movie? I don't think that they left because of me, but because I wasn't, you know, what was that guy named Katie in... uh, in Cape Fear, standing <laughs> in the you know in the front of the theater, was smoking a cigar, just laughing, just laughing in order to yeah. irritate people. No, I wasn't that guy. But I mean, I've I've lost it in movies where probably other people wouldn't. Laugh. In fact, I saw American Sniper yesterday. Axum was in the theater. Uh huh. He came to my class today, this fellow teacher of ours, and said, uh, "Was that you laughing?" <laughs> Middle of the movie? I mean, the movie theater was packed. I said, I don't know, maybe. He said, sounded like you. (laughs) I said, well, could have been. Could have been. These kids are taking an exam right now, Mr. Axum. Maybe you should leave. So you found 
American Sniper funny. That's going to be interesting for uh, next. I don't week's remember podcast. what he was talking about. I, I can't like, remember what exactly. He was yeah, talking no. I mean, about. I have some friends. They laugh and laugh, and I'm pretty sure they've driven people out of the theater. <laughs> and I just, I love it. I love hearing him. Laugh. But I don't like being. I don't know. I. I, I guess comedies. I don't know if I want to spend the money to go see a comedy. I'll see them on television. Hmm? Uh, or I'll watch them later. I don't know. They just... It seems like they're... Um, they're they're sort of similar to love stories in the sense that I know that the manipulation is coming. Uh. So, it's sort of like I'm flinching because someone's lifting their fist to punch me in the face. Same thing with animals when they use animals in movies like that. Like, I know I'm going to be manipulated by this animal. And and it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like the feeling going into something that where I think i got to give up some sort of control. So maybe that's why I don't like... Maybe that's why I don't like going to comedies necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I don't go see a whole lot. I'll, I'll go occasionally with my wife. And then... Generally, I like the bad movies. And by bad, I mean the ones that start with the title bad. Yeah, like bad words. And bad words, bad fact, teacher, bad Santa, bad news bears, the remake. <laughs> yeah. All fantastic films, but they all have that um, dark humor that uh, is almost mean-spirited. Well, it's the propensity for evil. Yeah. They're also like based in a sort of reality that could exist, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not like The Interview or This like, Is The End. Some of those movies get way beyond what what would really happen. Yeah. So you have to, you're willing to suspend disbelief up to, well, I guess I'm willing to suspend the disbelief in those kind of bad movies where I'm not willing to give it up for like 22 Jump Street maybe. Yeah, no, I just, I like those bad movies because I'm like, how does this jerk get around why do people put up with this jerk? Right. I love it. Yeah, put, I like put a jerk in as your hero, and I, I love it. Uh, I said, even the TV show House. I think that was one of the things I loved about it the most. Yeah, it centers around a jerk. Yeah, that if you want sense. a comedy, be a jerk. In fact, the jerk is a great comedy. <laughs> but that's another one of those sort of slapsticky kind of comedies. Oh yeah, but it has one of the great opening lines. I don't know if they can. What is it? You're not black, Nathan. I was born a poor black man. Okay. And then you see it's Steve Martin, who's terminally white. Right. He also has a pretty good name for his dog, which I always remember dogs in movies. <laughs> you remember where you've seen movies? I remember the dog that was in the movie. Our superpowers. There's going to be another link on some of the various forms that you could use to doesthedogdie.com. Yeah, I found Are you this, starting this website? Uh, I found, no, I found the website the other day. It was Because you have called me in a panic before when you've sat down to start watching a film I've <laughs> recommended. Right, and sometimes you steered me the wrong way. And I wind up <laughs> watching it, and then, oh, wait a minute. Like, I didn't know there was a dog in peril in the interview. And then, very end, there's this cute little basset hound that gets imperiled. So, yeah, you got to, uh, doesthedogdie.com. Does the they haven't. They have a what I what I originally thought was a complicated system of of scoring. It seems to me to be a pretty simple. <laughs> They're like dog faced emoticons that they attach, but I didn't know what the 
like the little gray dog meant, or the little yellow dog, or the little brown dog. There's like four different dogs. Uh huh. And they don't have it on the page that lists all the movies. You have to go back and forth until I realized that the dogs had faces. <laughs> and it was like the, you know, the, the scale of pain that you go to when you go to the emergency <laughs> room. <laughs> the dog has a scale of pain. So it's, yeah. Are these Happy. famous movie dogs? No, they're just like little emoticon. Oh, okay. Emoticons. They have little smileys or frownies or holy crappies, those kind of things. <laughs> so, yeah, does the dog die.com. That's a pretty good idea for a, a, a website, I think. I think someone's come up with it. Yeah. It's kind of like a when like should that. I take my bathroom break? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, there's an app for that. Yeah. Oh, the woman that, oh, I, I'll talk about that later. The American Snipe, and the American Sniper video, or a uh, podcast, you'll hear about my experiences with interruptions. Mm. Not mine. That, that's a good teaser. Yeah. Uh, so, anything else you want to add to the criteria for judging a film? No, mostly it's just, it comes down to who's been involved in the project and what the project's about. And the presentation. Mm-hmm. So... That's what. Uh, that's sort of how we look at films here on the on the Laugh Podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're two people who like it. We watch a lot, and I guess we're trying to present the best stuff that we found, or the best stuff we think we're going to go find because we do a lot of previews on the show. Too. Yeah, yeah. That's also yeah in terms of the design of the show. So, if you're going to continue to listen to us, you'll be. Listening to movies that we think we want to go see, and then <laughs> movies that we've seen at our reaction to them, and then I think we'll also mix in like some classics. Yeah. So we'll start talking more about the movies that we actually show in class, like The Hustler. I'd like to do a Hustler uh, podcast. Oh, I love me some Hustler. Um, the movie, and uh, <laughs> there's also uh, oh, we could always do Citizen Kane and Casablanca. I don't know. The, Bringing Up Baby was one of the yeah. movies that you showed in your well, classes. Well, the other thing in the comments down below, people can list what movies they'd like to hear us talk about on the show. Right. If you follow us on Twitter at The Laugh Podcast, that's T-H-E-L-A-F Podcast, or the Facebook, you can go get this. <laughs> Speaking of the Facebook, so this was from uh, one of our listeners asks, And uh, I'll have to insert his name later. Is it Tony? Yeah, yeah. Tony asks, Is L Train vindicated now that How to Train Your Dragon <laughs> 2 has been nominated for the Best Animated Feature? The answer to that is yes. No, that category gets yes, completely thrown out this year. Why? It's a completely ludicrous category that whoever was doing the judging <laughs> has lost their mind. Why? Because the Lego movie wasn't even nominated. Because the Lego movie's not that good. <laughs> it's not as good as uh, How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. It deserved a nomination. We, we can talk about how, you, how to Train Your Dragon 2 on another day. All right. All right, so the, 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 dragon, uh, <laughs> the dragon series, we'll deal with that in the future. We're going to next week we'll be talking about American Sniper. Or is it going to be next week? How, how are we going to put these out? Uh, we should have an episode coming out this Friday. Uh, was it January? The I have no idea what today is. Twenty something. Twenty something, and then uh, the following Friday we'll have our review of American Sniper out. Ooh. 
and I don't know what we're doing after that, but I'm sure we will be announcing it. Uh, so people will have to follow us on Twitter to or, find out. Or www.thelifepodcast.com. Yes. And I'm the L train. Two frames. <laughs> Pox at bottom, everybody. There be dragons. Good. <laughs> that was the volume work. Yeah.